you would, open your Bibles to Isaiah 40, verse 3. And as you're doing that, let us go to the Lord in prayer one more time. Lord, we pray that as we come to your word, that our hearts would be transformed and that we would prepare our hearts for the coming of our King. It's your name we pray. Amen. Grand entrances are fitting for a king. Even princes get grand entrances. Uh, Consider Aladdin in the Disney movie. Think back to that Disney classic, how he's marching down the streets. You know the song, Make Way, Prince Ali, Fabulous He, Ali Ababwa, with a train of guards, flames, elephants, peacocks, dancers, trumpets, cleared streets and celebrations, all going before and following behind him. That is an entrance that you think would be fitting for royalty. But our text tonight is going to challenge us that our king, not our prince, but our king, has a far grander entrance and one that we may not expect. Let's read the text. Isaiah 40, verse 3. This is what God's word says. A voice cries, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. If we were to sum up this passage with a main point, it would be this. The king is coming. Simple enough. The king is coming. And my prayer has been, as I've been preparing this, that we would prepare our hearts for the coming of our king. That we would eagerly look forward to his arrival. And so we'll examine this point, uh, or examine the, uh, the text in two points. We're currently in the wilderness, we're in the wilderness, and we won't be in the wilderness. (laughs) A lot of W's in there. So point number one is we're in the wilderness, followed by point number two, which is we won't be in the wilderness. To dig into this and provide a bit of context as we go, Isaiah 40 marks a turn in Isaiah. In this passage, they're at the beginning of exile after Hezekiah has brought curses upon Israel. Israel's been spared by Sennacherib, but the Lord has promised that exile is coming, that Babylon is coming, that Assyria is coming. And the Lord intends to comfort his people in the midst of exile. And so from Isaiah 40 to the end, this comfort takes shape as we learn who the Messiah is, who he will be, and we hear the new creation being promised. But the first comfort for us is here in verse 3. So let's look at our uh, verse with our first point, that we are in the wilderness. This verse begins with a description of a voice crying out, it says. This voice is like a herald or a messenger who goes before the king, announcing the impending arrival of that king. But this message is not one of a king parading through a city, clean up your streets. No, he actually summons the people out of the city. He summons the people into the wilderness. All right, right off the bat, there's something a little bit peculiar. And this declaration is actually quite peculiar to an Israelite's ear. After all, they spent 40 years in the wilderness after their exodus. And if you've read the Psalms, there are plenty of Psalms written by David about being in the wilderness, fleeing, and the roughness of it. None of the Psalms are really filled with joy in in the wilderness. A lot of lament. But now an Israelite, If you're an Israelite, you're hearing this. You're hearing that their God comes out of the wilderness and you're supposed to go back into the wilderness? I thought that was what we were delivered from. And not just that, but now we're to work in the wilderness. 
preparing a highway for our God. That might land a little oddly on an Israelite's ear. After all, the wilderness wilderness is not a pleasant place. It's jagged, dirty, and treacherous. And this is a very literal call into the wilderness. And we saw this literal call played out this morning in John 1, when John the Baptist called people into repentance in a literal desert. They're not in the city. They're out of the city. They're in the desert. And his call for them into the literal wilderness was him preparing the way for a new exodus, a spiritual exodus. The new exodus comes from repenting of your sins and trusting in Christ as your Savior, who ushers his people out of exile. Physical desolation gives way to spiritual delight, as it were. And that means that this verse is referencing both a literal and spiritual wilderness. If you're a Christian, you've experienced a new exodus in Christ. But we can also admit that we all are still in the material world. I mean, you have a body, you know, you can touch your shoulders and head, shoulders, knees, and toes and know, yeah, I'm still alive. This is not an immaterial world. And if you're a Christian, you've heeded the voice that's been crying out and you've come to the Lord. But you can also, again, recognize we're not in paradise. Turn on the news. Maybe even your own life shows that you're not in paradise yet. We are, after all, all pilgrims progressing on a dangerous journey in a sin-filled world, and we still feel its effects. Almost everywhere we still feel its effects. We mourn often. You know, I'm not sure what the wilderness looks like for you right now. You know, maybe for you, the wilderness the Lord has currently brought you in is the cancer in your body. And your body hurts, and God won't heal you, despite the fact that you've cried out numerous times. Or perhaps you're in a season of life where you just can't seem to kill that one sin. (laughs) Every time you do well, shortly thereafter, you fall and fail again and again and again, and a covenant eyes alert gets dinged to your friend, and you're sunken in shame. Or maybe you've been faithfully trekking through whatever spiritual dryness that you've been in, but at this point you're getting kind of fed up. (laughs) Why won't God provide an oasis of his grace and relieve me already? I've been praying, I've been reading my Bible, and I'm still not feeling anything particularly spiritual. (laughs) Why won't the Lord reveal himself in refreshing ways to me after all of this effort that I've put in? And on top of that, the call here to make straight a highway or a straight highway to God and prepare a way seems kind of frustrating. I've already trusted in him. He already has seemed to come into my heart. Why am I now called into the wilderness? Well, spiritually speaking, you've probably attempted to make a highway to expedite God's blessing or deliverance into your life. Maybe you can resonate with that, all right? You know, I've changed my habits. I'm getting getting up earlier to make time to pray and read my Bible. Okay, maybe I've increased my effort to kill sin. Or maybe I've even showed up to Sunday evening prayer services for once. And maybe you've thought before as you read this passage that wouldn't it be nice if God came down I-49 with all of his blessings for us just to solve all of our problems? This cry to prepare the way for God might land on you with a bit of discouragement. You're in the wilderness and now God is saying, "Prepare prepare the way for me? You may ask yourself, why does the way of God lie through the desert and where does it even lead? Where are we going? Oh, my dear friend, (laughs) the wilderness was where God prepared his people to enter promised rest. The harrowing wilderness 
always precedes the heavenly homeland. It always does. The call into the wilderness is a call to prepare your heart for the king. And Christian, your king is coming again. He's come once. So let's explore this in our second point, that we won't be in the wilderness. We've been in it. We feel its effects. But dear Christian, we won't be in the wilderness for much longer at all. Notice from this text here that God is not going into the wilderness. He's coming from it. It's out of the desert that God makes himself known. God rides in on the desert to us. Our king comes from it to lead us out of it. You see, notice Isaiah's language here, how resolute it is. There's no if Jesus is coming. He is coming. And so our messenger here calls us to prepare ourselves for his arrival. This means... (laughs) that it's not a matter of if we're to receive our king, it's how are we to receive our king. He's coming. The news has arrived. Prepare. He's almost here. And how we receive our king is by faith. Faith is the highway that the Lord arrives on, no matter how feeble it may be. (laughs) So believer, I urge you to acknowledge that whatever spiritual desert you're in right now, that might actually be the place where the Lord reveals himself the most because it's out of the wilderness that God shows himself. When he was hiding in that famous chestnut tree while ministering to the cannibals in the New Hebrides, John G. Payton recounts uh, a glorious thing that happened. He recounted that in that moment of desperation, as he can hear their cries, as they're hunting him, ready to kill him and eat him, He said that never in all my sorrows did my Lord draw nearer to me and speak more soothingly to my soul than in that moment. In his greatest moment of fear, of treachery, of desperation, John G. Payton felt the nearness of the Lord the most. The Lord loves us, so he draws near to us in our wilderness. In fact, Jesus loves you so much that he underwent profound sorrows on your behalf Our high priest, don't forget, he spent 40 days in the wilderness himself to inaugurate his ministry. And at the conclusion of his ministry, he was spat on, whipped, beaten with rods, crowned with thorns, crucified, and pierced through so that way he might redeem you. And when he accomplished his work on the cross and rose from the dead after three days, he guaranteed that you could be delivered into paradise Jesus' wilderness turned into a wellspring of life for us. And then, don't forget the last part of the gospel. He ascended into heaven. He's not here. He ascended into heaven and he promised to return for us, which means that Jesus is coming back. The voice of a prophet promised Jesus' first coming, but Jesus' own voice promised his second coming. Jesus is in heaven right now, working to prepare a new heavens and a new earth for you. And since he hasn't come back, what does that mean? It means that he's still perfecting it right now as we speak. He's still preparing it for you. Can you imagine how attentive to detail he is for heaven? That he's still preparing it. How he's crafting paradise with perfection for us. He's preparing a place for us to pull us out of the wilderness and into Canaan, into the promised land. 
And it's just a matter of time before the clouds are rolled back as a scroll and we leave the sickness, need, and sin of the desert behind us never to be remembered again as we eternally gaze on our glorious Savior's face and we feel the comfort of his balm, his peace, and his love in heaven forever. So to the believer who's feeling the sting of not yet being in heaven, who's still in, in, the, wilderness, in the wilderness, Jordan's banks are closer now than they were yesterday. Christ is coming soon to pull you out of the wilderness and plop you down in the new and better Eden that he has made with his own hands, just like he created our current world. That's guaranteed. No ifs, ands, or buts. It's guaranteed. That is your future believer. And graduation from the school of suffering is around the corner. The wilderness just happens to be the campus he's teaching you on right now. But in the meantime, let the things of earth grow dim as you look forward to seeing Jesus face to face by looking to him in his word and in prayer. That bodily pain, the spiritual sickness that you feel, all the sorrows of the world, by looking upon your king and meditating upon him and his glory and anticipating that day, let the things of earth grow strangely dim. They're temporary. They're expiring. They are going sour, as it were. But if you're in this room and you're not a believer, you wouldn't hold yourself out as a Christian, whose voice are you listening to? What road are you walking on right now? If you feel desperate and helpless, weary, thirsty, that's an accurate analysis of your state. That's not an incorrect feeling. But the good news is that Jesus doesn't require you to hike your way out of the wilderness. He's the one who meets you in it. Jesus' kingly entrance is not in banquet halls, but in the hearts of faithfully repentant sinners. And then he leads you out of that sin and sorrow and into life everlasting. And he promises that if you're thirsty, he will satisfy you. So even from this one verse, do you hear him calling out to you? Listen to his voice and do not delay. Friends, the call into the wilderness is a call to faith because out of the wilderness comes our king. The Lord's first entrance comes through repentantly faithful hearts not mighty and powerful hearts who have it all together. But his second coming will be spectacularly glorious as he reveals his full glory before all of heaven and earth. And as he slays our great opponent, grabs us and brings us home and ushers in the new heavens and new earth. Oh, believer, do you, do you picture that? Do you pray for that? Let the wilderness that you're currently in prepare your heart for the king because this is all passing away and Eden is on the way. The bitter desolation of the wilderness will make the honey of heaven that much sweeter. Christ is coming. Our king is coming. And when he does, there will be singing, restored health, perfect fellowship with one another where we will never have to say goodbye. Congregations will never break up and Sabbaths will have no end. And we will do all of this before the Father and Son and Holy Spirit in perfect harmony forever and ever and ever in our heavenly homeland. Oh, we dearly long for that day, don't we? 
Well, Christian, just a little while longer. Just a little while longer. Our king is almost here. Let's pray.